We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. All right, folks, what's good? Another episode, Ain't No Seeds podcast presented by Emprise Bank. Boys, I, I, I feel like I've started the last like three or four pods with saying like this feels surreal to say. I can't even believe I'm saying these words. Um, but the Kansas football Jayhawks are five and zero. Not only are they five and zero, they are two and zero in the Big Twelve. AB throwing the fives up. Shout out. Uh, AB's brought the energy tonight. I'm excited for AB. Five and zero, two and zero in the Big Twelve, and ranked in the top twenty. College game day is coming to town. Can you fathom me saying these things? Literally a month ago. Like, I can't. Like, it's insane. I can't believe this is real life. Kansas Athletics is on an all-time heater right now. Uh, B-Turn, I'll start start with you. How, how are you feeling? What did you think of Saturday? <clears throat> Just how's it going? I feel great, and I tweeted it earlier. It feels even sweeter just based off our last 13 years of football and how I feel like sometimes I don't realize how bad it got, but just going back and look at the records and it's literally one of the worst stretches in power five football history. Like no one's going to argue that might be the worst. And I was looking at big 12 records. We hadn't won more than one conference game since Breezing's junior year. Uh, his senior year, we were one and oh, and then we lost, we lost out, lost to Mizzou at Arrowhead. And so we haven't won more than one conference game since 2008. And now we're two and oh, one of those came on the road and scoring 55 points. And then Saturday, they went 14 to 11. And the defense is the story. Jacoby Bryant, Kenny Logan has a crazy big pass breakup in the end zone that probably saved the game. Iowa State's kicker was the MVP. And he's good. Really just good kicker. I was just thinking earlier, that's what good teams do. Good teams win that game. And the defense found a way. Our offense didn't even score in the second half. And Jalen Daniels only threw it four times the whole half. So to win that game ugly is huge, especially with TCU coming in in the town with a potential letdown game. I feel like AB is going to like that reference, but letdown game for TCU and we win ugly and maybe we show up and are the better team on Saturday. But the fact that we're undefeated top 20 in the country with game day coming to town for the first time ever, it's like, I haven't felt this good in a long time about any, any of the teams I like, like this is the best feeling in the world. 
Yeah, it's crazy. AB, I said it at the top. You brought the energy tonight. You're fired up. I know you've kind of like, I think you you made it clear last week that you're all in on the Hawks. I think we're all fully bought in, but I don't know. I think you've kind of been a guy that said this defense is not bad. Like you've believed in this defense and the defense was absolutely incredible on Saturday. So just give me, give me AB's takes from Saturday. They were phenomenal. The run defense was awesome. Uh, I watched at home. I was a sick boy. The announcer just kept begging Deckers to throw downfield, and they just wouldn't do Dude, it. They, they just wouldn't not. do it. Underneath routes, just hand the ball off, lose three yards. Obviously, they lost the running back, but still, I mean, it was impressive to see the defense play like that. So I'm just I'm fired up. And you, Ryan, you said it like if you would have told us a month or two ago, whatever that we would be in this situation. I went back like three weeks and listened to episodes of the podcast from like West Virginia preview, Duke preview even. And it like in the West Virginia episode, we were talking about if we could compete in one of the games and get blown out in the other, we would come into the Duke game with 40,000 people because we would show some promise and that would be a winnable game. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of where we we're at. Like we, we didn't even mention winning both games and starting three and all. So the fact that we've come this far so quickly is just, it's, it's like insane. Like, I can't even believe it's real. I have to look well, at my phone all the time to make sure that it's a real thing. It's so weird because I said that today at work. I said to somebody, it's crazy how fast this has happened. And so, but then it's like, wait, no, this has not happened fast. We have like been just suffering through this for so long, what it feels like. But we didn't have like that. We didn't have a middle ground. We went from absolute bottom of the barrel to just hear and like it, it, it didn't give our brains time to comprehend that we can actually be good at football again. Like this, the skipping of just being a, a bad team to a, a decent team to a good team. We didn't have a decent team. We went from awful to good overnight. And it's like insane to think that we're heading into week six, five and oh, we got another undefeated team coming to town. We are legitimately. I'm not kidding when I say this. The biggest story in college football. Like, it's not yeah. Bama. It's not Georgia. Mm-mm. It's it's us. Everybody loves us. We're getting a segment on Big Noon kickoff. We're getting a segment on game day. Game day's coming here. Like, we have taken over the college football world, and it is so fun to watch because we deserve this. Braden, you've said this all the time. Like, we sat through and we suffered, and we've just been begging for these moments, and now they're just coming rapidly like we're getting a ton of awesome moments and i just can't believe that uh it's here and we i mean saturday to me was perfect it in a weird way it we didn't play great and we didn't look our best at all but we did what good football teams do and that's just find a way to win it's like the ncaa tournament you always have one of those games where you just play disgusting but when you get the win you feel good about it and you're kind of happy it happened so we went ugly. We sh- we show up when we needed to near the end of the game. Uh, I guess kind of the kicker showed up, helped us too at the end of the game. But like, Jeez. I don't know. I, I guess B turn take away the fact that we won just based on our performance. Are you concerned at all heading into TCU because of how we played, or can we just say, hey, Iowa State's defense was good. We were due to have an off offensive game. We played conservative. And, like, are you pretty confident we can go right back to being the offense we were or somewhat similar? 
My head is absolutely spinning the last two days about that game and just the TCU game in general. Um, and Lance talked about it after the game, just how he was a little um, conservative and just kind of wanted to play the field position game late. And I, that kind of tells you how good Iowa State's defense really is. So I think it's just a great coaching staff that is going to do whatever it takes to win. It doesn't matter if the score's two to zero or what, but I don't it's tough with the offense. I still I still think the play caller is really good. There were some questionable play calls where Bean took snaps on third downs and ran them. But I still think I mean our quarterback's amazing. We still have a good backfield, even though we'll get into high shaw, which is devastating. Um our O line's been really good. They still I don't know if they gave up a sack on Saturday, but I still feel fine. Um and our defense, we've said it for a couple of weeks. I think our defense is gonna get better throughout the year, which is kind of scary. Um, they have all those transfers, and they they were so good on Saturday. So I think our defense, and that's the thing too with the West Virginia Houston game, defense wasn't amazing, but they got the critical stops and the stops they needed to get for us to win that game. They got stops when it was um, when it was fourteen zero against Houston, West Virginia. They got stops late. So I think our defense is going to continue to improve, and just with this coaching staff, I'm going to feel good no matter what. I've been kind of negative about this TCU matchup, but We've said it too. There's going to be a game or two where we're going to be in that we might not be confident in, like the Oklahoma game last year. And Oklahoma was a team that they could have gotten the college football playoff if they would have beat Oklahoma State late in the year. So I just trust this coaching staff to do whatever it takes to win. And I think that's what they did on Saturday against Iowa State. And Reese Vernon pinned them inside the 10 a couple times, played the field position game. Hunter Deckers makes terrible decisions. And they made, they gave, they put the ball in his hands late and let him, I guess, gave him a chance to go win it, and he didn't, and Lance trusts our defense. So, Can we talk about uh, – I mean, I don't know how you guys felt. You're, or maybe you were watching from home. Did you – like, I was praying that they would kick the field goal late in that game. Like, oh, I yeah. could not believe and inches. that Campbell doesn't go for that. And – I and, and I don't know, like that's a tough spot to put that kicker, and maybe that was his point. Like maybe it was a weird thing where like self. Remember when self kept Udoka in to shoot the free throws, even Dude. though we were all just begging Udoka to be sat. But like maybe that was the thing where he was like, "Let's get my kicker's confidence back." But boy, did that backfire because that poor kicker may never make a kick ever again in his life. You know, in golf, when you get the yips mm-hmm. and you're like, well. you've hit like eight bad shots in a row, and you stand I, I over the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you, you stand over the ball and you just like have no idea what to do. Like your swing is gone. Your, your pre-shot routine's a disaster. And that's how I felt that poor kicker, that last kick. I couldn't tell from where I was sitting in the stadium. Cause I sit on the side. Oh. It's the worst kick I've ever seen in my life. He I missed, missed by a literal mile. mile. A literal oh, mile. There was so and that's bad. the worst part about watching games in the stadium. I had no idea. I did not. I could not tell that that ball missed until the crowd went nuts. Like it, it's, it's so funny to watch the replay, the like kick because you can hear the crowd with the broadcast, and it's like, from my vantage point watching at home, you could tell he missed from the yeah. minute his foot hit the ball. But like you don't, the crowd doesn't make any noise until after like the KU defense runs off the field, and the yeah. referees give no good. It was it was good, but it is wild. You brought up the Udoka thing because I was literally thinking about that same scenario, but plugged in with the KU defense and Lance is being conservative because he wants to show the defense they trust or that, you know, the staff trust them. 
They're going to need them to win games going forward. Go out, get the stops we need, confidence booster. I don't know if that played into it, but that's kind of the vibe I got was show these I mean, guys it, you trust them. We said it, like we said last week, like this team, we need – we almost need a game where the defense has to step up and play good. And, like, I didn't think we needed them to hold – a team to 11 points i felt like our offense could easily get this game into the 20s but like yeah i mean i think we could potentially look back at this game and say like that was a huge turning point for us to prove that we aren't just some, i mean because we we also threw that out like are we just a a really good offensive team with a bunch of cool schemes but could teams start to catch on to it but I think even if that is the case where our offense isn't going to work like it has all year not necessarily but like we're a complete team. We've got dudes on that defensive side of the ball, and I think we can compete even if our offense doesn't bring their A game every week. Yeah, and I, I still think there was plenty of drives where we were in their territory too. Yeah. I think both both bean runs were in their territory, which I'll never – both times – I mean, you guys know I melt down during games, but both times I'm just furious. you got a Heisman candidate that's been incredible on third downs. We're close to 70% on the year on third downs, and they're giving it to Bean for a design run. Like and I, and I tweeted this during the game. I have no issues, and I want Bean to be involved in the offense. That little like handoff to where he ran out and then he threw the out pattern for like ten yards. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. kind of shit just feels impossible to defend because you're watching Daniels on the run, Daniels on the pass, Bean on the run, Bean on the pass. Yeah. That just seems like confusion. But like on third and eight from the Iowa State thirty-five yard line, you're running like a sweep with your backup quarterback. Like there's so many other options to do. And we haven't had a lot of time to complain about the offensive like play yeah. calling, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. They've been awesome. But it was pretty questionable. But, Braden, you said it. I think it was eight out of ten drives KU got into Iowa State territory. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't score points, obviously, but I still feel like the offense wasn't as big of a disaster as it could have been. But, yeah, yeah I mean, you got to finish drives off. Yeah, and I think, I think the thought process behind the bean runs is it's – no man's land. It's kind of four down territory and you're third down and seven or eight. You're going to run it and try to get it to a fourth and three, fourth and manageable. So Lance can go for it on fourth. But one of them was a holding. I don't know. AB, you saw it from home. It's so hard to see everything. I don't know if it was a hold. Um, and then it was Bean, a late hold. If I remember, yeah. like I felt like Bean had already made the break and then they call. I don't know. But and then, yeah, the second one, I think he gained a yard, and so you have to punt or whatever we did. But I thought the I thought the fifty yard field goal by Borchilla, which I don't know, I think it left the television screen probably from home. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was worse than the Iowa State kick at the end. I, I really didn't understand that um, <clears throat> decision by Lance, fifty yarder with the wind coming out his face. He doesn't have the strongest leg. Um, I would say either go for it, or, or if you're talking about field position after the game, maybe punt it there, pin him inside the ten, but. What a wild game. Like, even the two-point conversion by Iowa State where I think it, it was either O.J. Burrows or Melo Dotson who was just running around like his head was cut off, ran back into he, the back of the He thought he was going to pass it. I don't – yeah, I mean, he just panicked. And, my wild. like, my thought process on that was it wasn't a fake. It was just he dropped it. So, everyone's yeah. blocking on the offensive line. So, no one was running routes. It was yeah. just that he – the holder was going to have to get in the end zone no matter what. So, crazy thing about that is if they just kicked the extra point there – Late in the game, Iowa State would have been down four instead of three, and Iowa State would have had to go get six. And think about that, fourth and inches. I, I don't know. It wouldn't have came down to that probably, but if it was 14-10 and they had fourth and inches going for that, I'm sure they picked that up, and then we have to stop them yeah. inside of 20. 
That's you can easily good argue little, that. I like yeah. that B turn. I never thought about that. That it is wild. Us. Yeah. Yes. The Kenny Logan play hasn't been talked about at all. Xavier Hutchinson, one of the best receivers in the country, which, holy shit. Every third down, it's over the middle, dump down, first down, number eight. It's like no one knew he was on the field or I don't know. It was insane, but Xavier Hutchinson has a touchdown pass in his hands, goes to the ground, and I kind of just put my head down because I thought he caught it and our offense wasn't doing much, and Kenny Logan breaks up the pass. And Yeah. A.B., you got to tell me about um, Jacoby Bryant's second pick because they wouldn't show the replay till the very end. But yeah, everyone it, from home it said was it was incomplete. Yeah. It was incomplete. Yeah, so did he, the, like – Did the ball just caught it? come – Yeah, when yeah. he came to the ground, it's when it came out and it kind of hit the ground, so – it, it looks but, obviously good live, but yeah, when they showed the replay, it was pretty obvious. But speaking of him, his pick benefited us. Rips though, the right? guy's towel off. Yes, the pick us. That then they feel, just, yeah. yeah. But the pick where Jacoby ripped the guy's towel off, throws it in the air, and then intercepts it was one of the coolest plays in Kansas football history. It might be an exaggeration, but like I don't think that's getting talked about enough. But yeah, I mean, we brought it up. Jacoby gets that pick, which ended up helping us field position wise, but that game, like I was saying this in the stands with Alan and James and the crew, we were sitting with like, that was about to be a really, really painful loss because I mean, you think about the end of the first half, it feels like we are in control. Like I remember I was out at the concourse getting a drink and it's like three minutes on the clock. And like, I hear an Iowa state fan. He's just like talking to another Iowa state fan. He's like, this isn't what I expected. Like he was like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Like he, they were distraught. Like they really felt like we were the far better team. And then Iowa state goes down. They have the big play, they score. But even then we had the ball and our offense had looked good for a bit that last drive. And it was like, okay, we'll go score. It'll be 21, eight at half. And we get ball at half and like we're in control, but then we'd never scored again. And like, we just never it felt like there were so many times where Iowa State was like okay here you go go put the game away go put the game away and we just wouldn't do it and then you talk about the freaking we we recover the punt when they muff it uh and then high shot fumbles but obviously that was I mean that was just brutal for him um yeah we started we recovered that at the 29 so we started inside the 30 I mean to me that game's over when we recover that punt like we're at least like it how long was it 14 to 11 it was 14-11 for so long. I don't even know when they made their field goal. But I got a trivia for you guys. How many first go. downs? How many first downs did KU have in the second half? I know we had to, we had one on the first drive for sure. I would say God, is it one? AB. I was going to say like 3, but I have no confidence in that. AB's correct. Three oh, yeah. first downs in the second half, and we won. There were a the lot of possessions. <laughs> yeah. Like we, I like mean, you said, like I would say, just kept giving us the ball, whether it be a turnover or – I mean, we only ran 46 plays. Mm-hmm. Like, we just could not get – it was really stunning to watch as we've seen this team. We've said it time and time again. Like, it seemed so easy for this offense all year. And to see it all of a sudden just look so difficult – was kind of shocking, but also, like, I think we've said it. I think it was a good thing, and I think mm-hmm. it was kind of what this offense needed. Like, we're going to need to probably go into practice this week and, and make some adjustments, and that's what that's good. I did, it, It's almost like you didn't want this offense to get too confident, right? So now yeah. we'll see how they respond. Yeah, the thing about the 14-0 thing, 
It was like third. I think I was. I I wouldn't even know how many yards they needed, but it was third and long, like inside the ten, and they threw. I think it was a pi on Jacoby or someone on Xavier Hutchinson. So I was I was getting my hopes up for seventeen zero or twenty one zero at half. Yeah, and Trust us me, getting. So was I. Oh my god, dude! When it was fourteen zero, I told my dad about the minus twenty and a half and how I wanted to dude. see your face when it was fourteen nothing. We had a chance to get it back, but yeah, they get the pi, go score, somehow get the two point conversion, but. I was getting my hopes up for 21-0 with the ball coming out. And when it was 14-8, 14-8, we get it. I think we got to midfield and then stalled out. And I don't know. I guess the conservative route isn't terrible because it just I think it just shows you how good Iowa State's defense is. And it's almost it almost felt like we just didn't want to turn the ball over and give Iowa State good field position. And I can't I can't talk about how many bad decisions Hunter Decker's made. I swear he could have thrown four or five picks. The dude's this close to getting sacked and just launches it left-handed. Dude, but our defensive line, like the pressure we put on them was – it's been a while since – I was thinking about that the whole game. Like, I don't remember us getting very many sacks the last 10 years. And it felt like every time we got a sack, it was, like, thrilling. It was like, oh, my God. Like, and – this defense, man, like we said it, we didn't know how the transfers would be, but it's pretty awesome to like actually see these guys we came in. I mean, you mentioned Kenny Logan, he's a lifer, but like the other guys that came in, we didn't know will transfers immediately impact this team, but like they absolutely are, and they have absolutely I mean, done exactly what you want the transfer portal to do for your team. Did did you guys watch number fifteen flying around all Saturday? Craig oh, Young, Young. Yeah, yeah, he he's, was yeah. all over the he place. He can do everything. He's so good. Cover, come off the edge, rushing the passer. He's unbelievable. And that's a yeah. dude that – did you see his tweet earlier today? No. He was saying – he, like, quoted, like, why are you going to Kansas? You're not going to win. I love that. I saw some recruits doing that, too. Like, you ruined your career by picking Kansas, and now yeah. everyone thinks I'm a genius. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy how quickly the narrative has shifted. We've gone from joke – to I think honestly for a few weeks like when we were 2 and 0 3 and 0 it was kind of like a meme it was a joke to call Kansas good and now I think it's like whoa Lance Leipold is freaking insane his staff's insane this we've got maybe a top I mean I think it's pretty clear we have a top 10 coach in the country right now um speaking of that don't want to get too off topic here but the Wisconsin job opened up last night boys don't worry about and, it and AB I think you texted this but like the odds of us getting a coach who's an absolute superstar, who is who is like main concern is Nebraska and Wisconsin. Those are the two jobs we've heard since Lance took this job that like if those schools came calling, Lance would listen. Like it's just a known thing, people think. The fact that those schools open up in a matter of three weeks while we are five and freaking oh is the most annoying thing in the world. But I also said this, like if Lance, like it sounds like this Leonard guy could be the guy in Wisconsin if they if they look fine the rest of the year. If we can get Lance out of this offseason and he ends up back in Lawrence, like I think he's here a long, long time. But that's a big if. It is a big if. Because it's not just those jobs. Who knows what else will come calling? I mean, I guess. But like you said, these are the two that he would like listen to. So if he's not if he's not taking him, like if they offer and he says no, then I think he is here for a long time. If they just go in a different direction and doesn't even get to that point, then maybe. But like what other jobs are we even talking about? Like Auburn, I don't, I don't think Lance yeah. wants Auburn. I don't think Lance wants Notre Dame. I think he wants like, I mean, like us, we're a piece of shit. 
Nebraska but I just, qualifies as that too. But he, I don't know. I keep going back, and I think I texted you guys this, the cover three pod with Fornelli. So I went back and listened to their emergency podcast when they hired, when KU hired Lance, so 18 months ago or whatever. And Lance was quoted saying that his favorite part of like picking jobs and going to places, their schools with no tradition, no program, like history really, and is super down in the dump so he can build it up and do it his way. The thing with Wisconsin and Nebraska and Auburn and Notre Dame and whatever school you want to throw out there, all these bigger jobs have tradition. They have been good. They have ADs and boosters that have more control than the head coach. That's just not the case here. So maybe he just does love it and he can just do everything his own way. And I've, I've talked myself into this, but I, I'm with you on the whole. If he doesn't go this year, he's just going to be here until he retires. I mean, in that in that big new – or I can't remember. It was the Tom Rinaldi thing, which was great. Yeah. But it was Lance uh, talking about how he – after the OU game last year where we almost won, where he, like, walks into the bar, Johnny's, to do the Hawk Talk, and the crowd's, like, giving him a standing ovation. And he, like, turned to his wife, and he was like, can you believe they're clapping – over a loss because we almost won and he's like we've got to change this this has to change and like i think that goes to your point ab like he's obsessed with the grind of like building this team and so i don't know like he is in an interesting spot because if he stays and you know if lance is here 10 15 years till he's i mean hopefully longer than that but i mean he is 58 if he stays he's an all-time like Fields named after him, like statue type stuff if he wants it, like Bill Snyder type stuff if he stays for the rest of his career potentially. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it all, or I could see him leaving and us being like, well, no, duh, he left. Like, makes sense. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be wild. Dude, how it's insane to me how good we are already. Like, this staff got, this staff got here 16 months ago. And I've yeah. said it a million times. They took over a winless team with, not, I mean, he brought some guys from Buffalo, but they weren't his players. We were competitive at the end of the year, and that got our hopes up. And now we're five and zero. Oh. If we were, I've talked to so many people throughout the last few days. They're saying, if we're two and three or three and two right now, we're thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're five yeah. and zero, oh, top twenty in the country. Game day coming to town against another ranked team, and I just, it's insane. And I'd do anything in the world to keep him here. Wisconsin scares the shit out of me. He's from there. He coached in Wisconsin. I don't know if that matters a ton, but Wisconsin's been the rumored job he loves for a long time. And my thing is with Lance is like, what is his end goal? Like this, he doesn't strike me as a dude that wants to go to a powerhouse. And obviously any coach wants to win national champions, but does Lance want to go like, is his goal to go to a powerhouse and win national titles or stay at a power five school and build them up and keep them good for a long time? Like, He's already proved he can win here, so maybe he's just satisfied and wants to stay in Lawrence and coach here for the I next just, thirty years. I don't, I don't doubt that Lance wants to stay, and like I, I think it would truly break his heart to have to leave. But like, I also these guys are the most competitive at their craft. Like these guys are to get to this level of coaching, you have to be so freaking competitive. You have to be so driven. And so for me, like if Lance sees an opportunity where he can go to a school and compete for national titles, then yeah, I'd be shocked. That's why I'm not necessarily I don't know if Wisconsin and Nebraska are those schools. No, Nebraska- they're absolutely not those schools, dude. Like yeah, Michigan's gonna be my- there, Ohio State's gonna be there. In two years, USC and Lincoln Riley's gonna be there. UCLA is yeah. undefeated right now. They're coming in. Like 
if he wants to win a national title, and I'm sorry to those Cornhusker and Badgers fans that are listening, which are probably none of you, you're not fucking winning a national championship anytime soon. <laughs> and, like, no matter who you can hire – I don't want to go too far. I think if they hire Urban Meyer, that might change things. But, like, I just – there's so many obstacles, and it's, like, the same thing with Auburn. Like, I have zero worry about Auburn, probably because he doesn't have connections there. Is he going to yeah. go to the SEC where he's the eighth best team there? Like that's those are the schools we're competing against, and the Big 12 is about to get lighter. Obviously, we can't pay him as much because the TV deals aren't the same. But if we go add Pac-12 schools, maybe we get a fat TV deal, and it's like three power conferences, and we can compete with that. Because that's like to me the only concern. My fear is like, yeah, if Nebraska, if he says no to Nebraska and Wisconsin, that's great. But like, is there a potential where like a maybe not this year, but in like two three years, you see like a Texas A&M. Where like you not Texas A&M specifically, but you know how they threw Jimbo a bag that was like Jimbo could not have turned that down. Like it was the most outrageous contract offer. Even like Brian Kelly going to LSU. Like sometimes I don't think coaches necessarily are even looking for jobs, but you get a number thrown your way and it just becomes absolutely insane to turn it down financially. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't Do you- think Lance is driven by that at all, but sometimes you got agents in your ear. You got people saying this is a just insane contract. You have to take it. So I don't know. There's always going to be fears, but this is a, a bigger picture college football thing. Do you think those contracts are still going to come? Like think of like the massive like mega deals outside of Alabama and Clemson and those kind of teams. But like A and M absolutely is regretting Jimbo right now and paying him a hundred million dollars. Michigan yeah. State stinks and they're paying Mel yeah. Tucker like a hundred million dollars. Like there's so many of these contracts out there. And these people are so rich that it probably doesn't even matter, which is disgusting to think about. But, like, how many of these huge contracts are these schools just going to go out and pluck this 60-year-old dude from Kansas to yeah. come and rebuild their program in this, you know, seven years that he has left to coach, I guess, is kind of my thinking. But. Yeah. I mean, I hope – Lance definitely gives off the vibe of a guy that could be so content at a school like Kansas. And, like, he's not – he's not a lame Kiffin He's not a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, he's not really a Brian Kelly. Like, he's just a guy that, like, I think loves coaching football and loves people and probably loves the community that he's built here in Lawrence. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's hard to tell. Like, I think it's, there's no way to really know yet. And I, I truly don't think Lance knows yet. I think he's going to have to listen to what people say, but we'll see. I don't want to get, I don't want to take too much time on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Um, we got to transition though to, I said it at the top, but I still can't believe I'm saying this college game day is coming to Lawrence, Kansas on Saturday, boys and TCU undefeated coming to town. TCU looks like a wagon. They absolutely smoked OU last week, but just, I don't know. How pumped are we for college game day coming to town? I just, I want to ask you guys, like, does this, does any of this feel real to you? Like, has it hit you? Are you like crazy excited or does it just feel fake? A little bit of both. I'm trying not to think about it too much because it's only Monday and these weeks drag if I start looking into all that shit now. But I was sitting at uh, Johnny's on Saturday night. We're just hanging out and I'm watching the Clemson game and it just pops up that little sidebar. It says college game day next week in Lawrence, Kansas. And I just, I seriously stood up and threw my hands in the air. Like, <laughs> well, what are we like, How do we even react to that? Like, for football, not bad. Like, we've seen it for basketball first time ever. Times. It was for just football, like a, yeah. I laughed out loud. Like, it was one of those things <laughs> where you read the tweet and you just laugh out loud. Like, that's how absurd yeah. it was. Um, first but, time ever. And it's yeah. the, I feel like it's the game we talked about the least on the home schedule. Yeah. We talked about maybe Duke just because it was the two schools that don't win much in football. We were both undefeated. We talked about potentially Oklahoma State, third top 10 team. Um, and then TCU's just been unreal. And we'll obviously talk about them in a little bit. But first time ever in Lawrence, our fans are insane. I guarantee it's going to be a crazy turnout at game day. Trying to figure out where it's going to be at. I'm assuming on the hill somewhere right outside the stadium. But I can't, I cannot believe it. And I had a feeling after what they did to OU, I don't know how good OU is right now, but TCU's averaging 49 points a game and KU's right up there as well. I don't know what we're at after Saturday, but two electric offenses that are both undefeated and in the top 20. And it's, dude, I haven't been, I don't, I can't even think on the last time I've been this excited for or nervous for a KU game. I said that last weekend, but so maybe it was I mean, last shout weekend. Out, shout out game day we bullied them on Twitter when they didn't pick us for the Duke game, but like they totally played this right. Like this is so much more exciting than Duke. Um, Thinking about top 20 matchup in the booth in week six of college football. And it's like, Oh, I I can't believe it. TCU, like AB, I think you've been high on TCU all year. You loved them from the start. Um, and I don't know what to make of OU, but it doesn't matter. OU still OU. You go in and you do that to them, just absolutely trounced them. Like early lines out, seven point underdogs. We continue to <laughs> we, we continue to get disrespected, but I don't know. AB, talk to me about TCU. How are you feeling heading into the game? I know I've been the TCU guy this year, but I think they might be a touch overrated now. Am I allowed to say that? Maybe it's my homerism wow. coming out. But, so here's the thing. They've played – Colorado's the worst team in maybe college football. They are, not they just are power us five. five years ago. Yeah, so Fornelli tweeted out those graphs of like uh, – I think it's <laughs> some sort of points gained or expected points gained, something along those lines, and then like explosive play rate. Colorado's defense was in the worst possible spot of the graph, and their offense was also in the worst. It, it's – Bizarre to see. Yeah. But I'll get to that or more on that. So KU, their explosive defense is like one of the best in the country. Isn't that bizarre to say? Now, they're not very good on the EPA, but their explosive defense is like really good. That's where TCU thrives. TCU played Colorado, who stinks. And that's Tarleton State fighting Billy Gillespie's stink. 
Then they beat SMU, which I would probably compare to the Houston win. It's a good program and state rivalry. They're like 30 minutes from each other. That's at a good SMU, win. right? Yeah, it was at SMU. I think it was like a four-point spread or something, so it's supposed to be a close game. Um, and then they blew Oklahoma out. Obviously, you blow Oklahoma out. It looks really good. Oklahoma had a little number next to them. I said it last week. What if Oklahoma just stinks this year? Like, it's not crazy to say it's a brand-new roster, a brand-new coaching staff. Like, Dylan Gabriel's hurt. He got hurt early in that game. TCU would have won regardless. They are already up two scores at the time. But, I mean, that final score probably looks a little bit different if Gabriel plays the whole game. Dude, OU's I think, defense the last two games has been no, they're just they're not horrid. Good. They're yeah. not good. But I, I just think that people saw what TCU did to a brand like Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and people just all of a sudden pushed them into this top 10 team. I, I definitely think they're the best team we've played this year, and we're going to have to play probably our best game to win. But I think the seven line, and it's continuing to go up, is a touch disrespectful. At home again. At home, game day, it just brings a different vibe. Like, I don't know is if it... I'll pick us to win, but it's like I really think that if 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 TCU beat Oklahoma by 11 points instead of 31 points, I know it's yeah. a big gap, but just work with me here. This spread is not seven, seven and a half, eight, ten, whatever it closes at. Yeah. I just it is, seems like just a basic overreaction to beating a big brand. So I'm gonna lean on that and take KU plus seven and a half, seven. Is this almost like in a weird way the perfect kind of storm for us heading into this week where like, okay, this is me taking all real analysis out of play here, dumb brain best way analysis. To do it. Yeah. TCU just played their absolute probably best football, right? They I mean OU still OU. I know they're not the same OU, but TCU played at probably the peak. Like, that's if TCU brings their A game, that's what they're going to bring. We probably played our C or D game. Mm-hmm. TCU Obviously. is now the heavy favorite. Their offense just had their best performance of the year. We just had our worst offensive performance of the year. Like, again, dumb brain analysis. Are we going to see something where, like, our offense comes out firing because we kind of slumped and now we're back out of it? And they may be law of averages, just don't sling the ball around and score easily every time. So, like, is this kind of – is last how last week's game went, is it kind of like setting up for a perfect start for us? I don't know. I, I love the way both games went last week. Yeah, I agree. That's why I thought – at first, I was like, damn, this is ugly. We might lose, and we would have melted down if we lost that game because just, I don't, the offense was so weird in the second half, conservative, but I am i couldn't be happier with how we won. We're there. Yeah. I'd bet any dollar to my name that we won't play that bad the rest of the season. And they found a way to beat a well-coached team, um, yeah. an Iowa State team that was literally favored against a good Baylor team last week, and they're – it's like two point spread against K State this week, so I think that's the biggest part of this game. Honestly, is starting fast. Um, TCU had 28 points in the first half against SMU two weeks ago. They scored 27 in the first quarter against OU last week and 41 in the first half. They're averaging 49 points a game. They've scored 38, 59, 42, and 55. And Max Duggan, I don't know how he can keep this up because he hasn't done this really his whole career. He's kind of been inconsistent, but. If he plays like this again Saturday, and they like that, you just have to give them credit and admit they're a wagon. I think I don't yeah. know if I would say they're better than Oklahoma State, but I would I can make a case for TCU being the best team in the league right now, maybe the second best. I could easily see them in Arlington 
Um, and Duggan's been ridiculous, dude. He has a 75 completion percentage, 1,000 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he's so damn good on his feet is the thing that scares me too. Like he had a run against OU where he just took, took off to the right, took it like 60, 70 yards for a touchdown, and they have so much speed and so many weapons. I don't know how much yeah. you guys have watched them, but they are just electric, dude. They got Tay Barber who's deep threat, and then they got Quentin Johnston who – is one of the best receivers in the class. He might go first or second round. I've seen him in the yeah. first. He's their fifth leading receiver right now, a first-round receiver. They got so many guys they can throw at you, and I really I really think we got to put up 40 or 50 points to win. That scares me, but we've done it all years, besides last week against a really good defense. So I'm terrified of TCU, I'll admit it. I think we have to play really, really, really good, and our coaching staff has to be amazing, come up with a really good game plan. So – AB, not to not to sound like a K State fan here because I know we've we've beat teams, but like it is fair to say we have not seen an offense remotely for sure close to TCU, right? So like yeah. that is a valid valid fear. Like they're the best team we've played, no doubt. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if if you're uh, if you had to pick a team right now. I guess is Oklahoma State pretty clearly the best team in the Big Twelve? Like, is that pretty easy to say? Or I didn't get to watch them on Saturday. They obviously they won at Baylor. They got uh, the the score doesn't really show how that game was played. Okay, like, I didn't see say it. that. I, I I think Oklahoma State's good. Um, but yeah, there was some kind of lucky shit and fluky shit that happened against Baylor. That if it just goes the other way, Baylor probably wins that game by the same score that Oklahoma State won by. So. I, I mean, they're good, but – oh, this is what I was going to say about them. Uh, I brought it up a few times. You know the ESPN, you click on the game, and it's got the little graph on the percent chance to win. So what do you think KU's the, – the two easiest games are tied. What do you think the two easiest games left for KU are? As far as, Texas, like, Texas best, Tech. best chance for us to win according to ESPN's little power index thingy. Yeah, I'd say Tech, and I'm assuming TCU. Right. Uh, I would say Tech and – or is it Texas? I'll run through them. At Baylor, 82 to 18 in favor of Baylor. We can Texas, 80% for Texas. Oklahoma, 80% for Oklahoma. K-State, 72% chance for them. TCU, 68% chance. Oklahoma State, 64.5%. Texas Tech, 64% either. So they're basically saying Oklahoma State is one of our easiest games left. That is literally based on our history. That's so annoying to me. We're ranked top 20. Underdogs the rest of the year. Yeah. We very well could be. But I I don't know. That's crazy. I I would – I know. It's it's bizarre. Now, I don't know how much, like, old performances have to do with that because CNOU and Texas is both an 80% chance to beat us. Is it? I'm, like, very confident we're going to beat Texas, by the way. If viewers is back, they might be sick, though. Is it not crazy that we're KU football fans and we're going to be all in checking Big 12 scores every week to ch- just for yeah. the standings for the Big 12 championship? September like this to March, baby. Because if we win if we win Saturday, I already am all in, but I'm all in on them beating <laughs> OU in Norman, 11 a.m. kickoff, yeah. and we're going to be 7-0 and in a top-10 team in the country. Think about that. If we beat TCU and OU, what are we ranked? If we beat TCU, we might be top-10. <laughs> No, no, I'm serious. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's what B-Turn was saying, or were you not B-Turn? No, he was saying Oklahoma, too. If we just beat TCU, oh. I think we move into, like, 10 to 12 range. Because there are just teams that are above us that have a loss or are just kind of floating around, and some of them could lose this week. That's always the weird thing with trying to predict rankings without seeing the games happen first. But, yeah. like, you see a 6-0 team that's on the biggest stage possible as far as pregame goes, so everyone's eyes are going to be on KU. And then we move on over to FS1 because, hell yeah, why not? But you win a game, it's going to be on every bottom line. If we finally beat a ranked team, I just think we make like a significant, significant jump being 6-0 and with that kind of win. So we'll, we'll yeah. see, but let's let's get the win so first. So let's, let's, talk, let's talk predictions. We already said it. The line opens up. I mean, it opened, I think, at like TCU minus 4.5, and, and it's jumped up to – Seven now. I'm really hoping to get seven and a half. I think that I would love the mm-hmm. Hawks plus seven and a half. Um, over under 67 and a half. AB, where did that start? Hasn't that jumped up it's, a bunch? It shot up like crazy. So Circa tweeted out yesterday that it opened TCU five and the total was 59 and a half. Holy cow. And literally in like six hours, it jumped eight points. It's so do you think this needs that. to be a shootout for us to win or do we want this low scoring i don't even know i don't know is either. that bad? i don't want a shootout i kind of want a shootout no it's just it's wild because like we've now part of me says let's let our offense go toe we've to won toe the now. shootouts is my only thing <laughs> it's true yeah yeah, I don't know. I mean, this like we said, this is a different offense, a different animal. We haven't seen one like this, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. So let's go, uh, B-Turn. I want to go to you for your prediction. TCU minus 7, OU, or over-under, 67.5. Money line plus 230 for the Hawks to win. Um, B-Turn, give me your official prediction. Dude, you know how as fans we can talk ourselves into anything? Like mm-hmm. this year I could have talked myself into bowling. Most games, I've talked myself into winning all five games this year. I feel like I've actually been pretty optimistic and confident about this team. I can't talk myself into beating TCU Saturday, and I don't know I don't know why. I don't know if that's based off scoring 14 points, not scoring in the second half, but I think TCU's a wagon right now. Like I'm not ready to say college football playoff for them but I feel like they're definitely a dark horse because I think they can win the Big 12. They can win the Big 12 championship, maybe go in the season with one loss. <sighs> I think, dude, I don't feel good about this game. I could, I'm not going to say we're going to get blown out, but I think TCU is going to beat us by two scores. And I think I, I do like the over. It's super high, but I think TCU scores 40-plus. I'm sure we'll score 30. But we've been in – We've been in two shootouts where we've given up 48 points, and I guess Houston wasn't really a shootout, but we can go. Our offense can go toe to toe. Our play callers, um, super good. And I said it earlier. Our coaching staff will find a way to give us a chance. Hopefully, I just I would take TCU in the over. I don't. I just don't feel good. Fair. Uh, God, we are not complete it. homers here. We're not complete homers here. We love it. All right, AB. I want to be a homer. Uh, I think I love KU plus seven. I'd love it more at seven and a half, like you said, Rye. But just back to my point earlier, if if Gabriel doesn't get hurt, this line isn't seven. It's more like four. Um, GCU is great. I just think that we're kind of due for a bounce back. 
Uh, good performance offensively. I'll go 37-33. Uh, I don't know why. Nine field goals TCU or three winning? field goals. No. I mean, last week was 14-11. Imagine yeah. taking that final score prop on Finn. Or was that a scoregami? Uh, I don't know. I bet college football scoregamis are nuts. So many games. Uh, 14-11's probably happened quite a bit. It yeah. just takes two-point I don't know, man. I just, I'm just i not going to stop picking KU until they stop winning. That's 5-0 uh, and o against yeah. the spread. I mean, that's what I was going to say for my prediction. Like, I... I've made a lot of money just blindly betting on this KU football team, money line, covering, and it's like, why stop now? Let's and I said it, I've made a few basketball references tonight, but like I feel like we the Iowa State game was a a big twelve game where we shoot one of seventeen from three. We make no baskets, we look horrible but we just grind out a game because Bill Self's the better coach late in the game. But then you turn around, you go back home, and we're lights out from three. And I feel like we're going to see that with this KU offense where Jalen was like kind of tight. Like Lance said it, we played conservative. Like it wasn't just our offense being like not as good. We were designed to be playing more conservatively. So like I kind of feel like – Jalen's going to be let loose. The offense is going to be let loose. Sounds like Kai Thomas is going to get back in the mix. I know Highshaw is probably out or is out. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we're going to be – I feel like we're going to be back to kind of like a just slinging the ball around. And I'm not – I don't know TCU's defense that well. Um, but I can absolutely see Jalen just coming out game day. Seems like a guy that rises to the occasion. If he's going to have a Heisman day – it's got to be Saturday, and so I'm taking Hawks, uh, 41-38. You know what's also crazy about last week? And I'm not making excuses because they ended up winning. There was a ton of distractions. Yeah. Think about all the stuff in town. Uh, Big noon kickoff came, game day. They had the rally downtown. A lot of the JD stuff, a lot of NIL stuff with him, a lot of interviews with him and he wasn't great Saturday, obviously. And they found a way to win. And that's what the staff just from top to bottom. So good. Borland, Kotal, Nikki, Lance, obviously. And Scott Chasen was, t- yeah. Homecoming. Um, <laughs> Scott Chasen was saying he was interviewing the players after the game, the guys on defense. And they were just saying how they could feel how Brian Borland is getting everyone to buy in. All the guys on defense are finally trusting him hundred percent. And the defense has been better every week. They've gotten the necessary stops. Every st- They've gotten every big stop, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. West Virginia, yeah, they went up 14 a couple times in the first half. But when they had to get a stop late or somehow get a muff punt and something to go our way, which is another thing about KU right now, we're somehow catching a ton of breaks. The kicker <laughs> yes. misses two field goals off the uprights, misses a chip shot that literally – we I mean, are the team that has a field goal to win the game and you miss it by 40 yards. Like, that's us. We do that. And to see that happening to other teams is amazing. So I want, I just want to see where you guys are at just for the rest of the year. Because before the year, BMAC says we're winning five games. If we win five games this year, I'm thrilled. But now you're 5-0. and oh. So I feel like a spoiled fan, and I don't know why. I'm so, I, I'm so negative about this game Saturday because – you want to win, but obviously, if we lose, you're still five and one. You got six more cracks at a bowl game. You got game day. If you compete, who cares, honestly? 
So I just want to see where you guys are at. Cause I'm thinking about the schedule and I was just looking, I feel like our bye week comes at a perfect time. And I don't know if you guys agree, but mm-hmm. we got TCU and then we got, so say you beat, I'm going to say here, we beat TCU or six and one, and then we split OU and Baylor. Can you imagine being seven and one going into the bye, getting the guys fresh and then you're back home against potential top 10 Oklahoma state and you're seven and one. And you win that game, and you got the last three that I personally think are winnable. I know, A.B., you're right with yours. He's super good, and they looked good on Saturday. But I think our bye week comes at a perfect time, and I think we beat TCU. I'm going to start talking to myself into Big 12 title stuff. And at that point, it would not be crazy. No, no. We'd be halfway I mean, through the like- season, 6-0, and ranked 10-15, to 15, like – I think it's fair to st- I think it's fair to start talking into it now. Maybe that's insane, but like, there's no game on the schedule that it's a for sure loss. There's no for sure win, but there's. I mean, you can go on competing every single game. There's probably going to yeah, be I mean, what who- two losses, three losses to get into the Big Twelve Championship game with how these teams are going to beat up on each other. Yeah. Other like- than B turn this off season saying it like. OU is all of a sudden winnable. Like we <laughs> Dude, laughed at him yeah. this off season, we have but it's to winnable. Find that clip. You guys literally stopped me in mid-sentence. We gotta find that. B turn. Calm down. Yeah, but I mean that OU was insane. Stinks. And like all that's of that's why yeah, OU's winnable. TCU's obviously winnable. It's winnable. Texas Tech is winnable. Texas is winnable. I think Oklahoma State's the one I have a hard time seeing us win. But what? AB has me convinced off a simple percentage on an ESPN app that probably Coming off means a buy nothing. though. I like Braden's point more than mine. Coming off a bye, tough stretch, get healthy, come in a chilly November afternoon in Lawrence, Kansas for a top 10 team to come die. We've talked about that three-game stretch all year, and I didn't even realize when our bye was. But, we're yeah, we're going to have those two road games against Baylor and OU, and where's OU even going to be at in the Big 12 this year? They're sitting at 0-2. Dude, they're they're touchdown underdogs this week. Yeah, we could go into Norman and get them on a fucking a three-game losing streak about to be four when we go down there. Would Venables get shit canned if they start 0-4? <laughs> no, they just had so much turnover, dude. Like I know. I know they're frustrated, but it's I don't know. How long is uh, well, Gabriel okay. out? Does anyone know? I don't he know. died. I Okay. <laughs> I uh it didn't look good. I have not I this just this thought just hit my head. Okay. So let's say we let's say we lose to TCU and we lose to OU, the thing that's insane is that the season is, like, the Big 12 title chances are still not necessarily dead, right? Like, I know it sounds crazy to say, but like you said, A.B., teams are going to beat up on each other. Two, three losses could still, like, we'd have to win out. But, like, that's kind of what's crazy is it's no longer one win. Or if you lose more than one, you're not making the Big 12 title game. Like, I think there's going to be – four or five losses combined in that big 12 title game potentially. So I think we probably need to win one of these next two to even start Mm -hmm. talking about it. And then, then you split OU or Oklahoma state Baylor, and then you're really serious. But those last three games of the year, man, if you get there with just two losses, you could win all three. Like it, it seems egregious, but I think you could. And like, that's what's so exciting is to think about us with three weeks left on the schedule with Big 12 freaking title hopes. I mean, if you're if you're six and two coming back home against the top ten team in the country, 
the booth is going to be sold out again and electric. I'd take six and two all day. Win one of the next three. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I I love how we do this. We I are... just I know any any fan of any other Big Twelve team that had a team that was top twenty in the rankings, undefeated, five and zero, game day coming to town, they'd be all in on Big Twelve title talks. But we're they'd Kansas be all fans. Playoff talks. Yeah, we're Kansas fans, so we're going to be a little skeptical. But why not? We're top. We're top nineteen team. We're not basically ranked. We right? are. We're ranked. Yeah. We're ranked. And like, we're yeah, basically I mean, ranked. That was incredible. We've said it. Like, there's just nobody in the Big Twelve. Like TCU might be really good, but nobody has been a no-brainer, like electric football team this year. Baylor was underdogs to that Iowa State team we just played two weeks ago. Like. It, it's going to be wild to see how it all plays out. I don't know what's going to happen, but you're right, V-Turn. Like, we need to just – if you just look at our resume, you look at our team, you look at our ranking, you look at our record, we should absolutely be having these conversations. And so they're fair. And we got made fun of last week on the pod for being so optimistic. We were right. Um, they were wrong. AB wasn't, AB wasn't quite right, but he was more right than the people that said we'd lose. So here's here's um, the thing with those predictions: they sound outlandish and they are outlandish. But if they win the game, no one can talk shit. Having gotten one tweet about that minus twenty, oh yeah, oh, <laughs> what are they gonna say? Oh, you got the spread wrong by seventeen points, but you're ranked higher than us and your record it is better. Than it ours. is. I know we've said it, but it is truly hilarious how they say, "Ah, oh, this team." Once you play this team, you're done. And then we beat that team. They're like, well, that team sucks. Once you play this yeah. team, like it's just a never ending. So they got to they gotta make the decision before the game's going forward. Another we thing got, with the, yeah. another Psych thing. Burning. Yeah. Another thing with the big 12 is there's going to be a random team that's at home that beats a good team that's in the race. Think about Us. Ames. Think about Ames. Think about West Virginia got pumped. It was, it, fucking transition B turn because the fucking Cyclones are beating the Cats this weekend. <laughs> yes, that like Ames, tough place to play in both sports for some reason. Their mm-hmm. fans, I'll give their fans credit. They're diehards. They make the places loud. Even Morgantown, a long travel for, for all these teams. There's going to be Oklahoma State has to play TCU, for example. One of those teams obviously has to lose. Like it's going to be so much fun watching the Big 12 race as a KU fan. And if we win this weekend, we're three and zero with six to go. Six more Big 12 games, and that's what's crazy. We're yeah. halfway through the year, season boys. Yeah, and we're, we're 6-0 oh bowl eligible. Yeah, 6-0 and, oh and like we're starting to re- – I mean, I'm already researching where we're going in December. But, uh, A.B., as we wrap this up, as we wrap this up, I just got to say I strong disagree. I think the Cats roll over Iowa State on Saturday. I think Iowa State stinks. I really kind of do. Their offense do. was – I could not believe you guys pointed out they just did nothing but these little short, just three-yard passes. He had 20 catches, I swear. So we'll see. I hope you're right. It would be very funny for us to be told all week that, oh, you haven't beat anyone, and then Iowa State turns around and beats K-State. I hope you're right, but I think K-State pumps them. That's my lock of the week is K-State minus two. Something to remember. The team is never as good as they last looked, and they're never as worse as they last looked. Iowa State is a top 10 defense in this country. They're going to force K-State to play from third and long multiple times. They're going to make Adrian throw the ball. It is not his strong suit whatsoever. I was there. I know it's weird to say Iowa State's too proud of a program because they've only been around for what, like six years, but they're not starting 0 3 in conference with two home losses. Like, I just don't think they are. 
You know the only thing I was thinking about yesterday afternoon, Ryan? Mm. AB refreshing Twitter to see the polls to see if we were ranked ahead of K-State and his face <laughs> after he saw it. Well, what did he do when we got <laughs> when he predicted the right bracket on Selection Sunday that one day? Like <laughs> I predict him sitting at home doing that <laughs> when he saw that ranking. They they melted down. Oh, that's tough. That's a tough scene. Rankings it's after five day. weeks. It's a bad day. Catastrophe. <laughs> how yeah. how obnoxious and arrogant are our fans gonna get if Lance stays here for a while? Like we're I it's I'm gonna say it. We're gonna be a bowl team every year. We're gonna be a bowl team every year, and we're gonna have a national title contender basketball program every year. We're gonna be it's like that who what's that uh one video? I'm gonna be more obnoxious. I, um, I'm just our fans are going to be lunatics and K-State fan, how, K-State fans and Mizzou fans have to be so mad right now it and is annoyed that's what we've done the last seven months like it's we haven't crazy. lost since March 1st <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy we're sick it's October 3rd by the way for those listening and we won a national title in between there like that's what's hilarious um people so actually forget going about well. that I feel like People forget people, we did that. People forget we won the national title. It's it's kind of bizarre how our good football years always line up with Natty's. It is. And by always, this... I mean like twice. But still. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm tired, boys. We've we've it's a late, it's a late night. And uh the Hawks are absolutely cooking. Five and oh. Game day's coming to town. Get your butts to the booth this weekend. Um, three straight sellouts is going to be sick. And uh, as we just laid out, things could not be any better for old Kansas athletics right now. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Rock chalk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.